Okay, so mitzvah 24 is this. The, this mitzvah is what we call the mitzvah of tchumen, right? Tchumen is that we are obligated to have a, we're, we're not allowed to walk beyond a certain measure, a distance of it where the city is actually settled on Chavez. And this has nothing to do with an Eruv. People get confused with an Eruv, whether or not there's an Eruv or not. It's not talking about carrying. You're not allowed to carry if there's no Eruv, right? But even if you are walking somewhere without an Eruv, without carrying anything, there is still an absolute limit as to what distance you're allowed to travel on Shabbos outside of a settled city, okay? That's called the Tuchum, right? Tuchum literally means boundary. Now, so let's look at the mitzvah. In Parashat Vayehi Peshalach Paro, the parasha that talks about Paro sending us to Adam Mitzrayim, Egypt has one negative commandment in it, that we should not go outside of the boundary, the Tuchum on Shabbos, that we have been prevented from going outside of the known boundaries on Shabbos, as it is stated, let no one leave his place on the seventh day, right? So that's a Pasuk in the Torah. It says that al and the person is not allowed to leave his place on the seventh day. Now, how do you define place, right? If you, place means you have to stand like in one place the whole time, just like hugging yourself the whole Shabbos. That doesn't make any sense. So the, the tradition teaches that explanation comes about this, that his place is called anywhere that is no further than three parsa from outside of the city, Paris was four mil, a mil is 2,000 amos. So how far of a distance is that? 24,000 amos, right? So once you get to the city limits, you cannot travel more than 24,000 amos in any direction on a Torah level. It's important to remember this is on a Torah level. Um, now, 24,000 amos is somewhere between, um, anywhere between 24,000 feet, which would be uh, four and a half miles, all the way up to 48,000 feet, which would be about nine miles, okay? Now, that would be on a Torah level. Once you leave the city limits, you can't go further. Now, nothing to do with an Eruv. The way we define a city limit, by the way, is not going to be based on arbitrary places where the township has been incorporated. For example, today, if you're going on El Camino, you can literally go on El Camino straight from, from Sunnyvale all the way up to San Francisco and south, I think you can go a lot further too. And it'll be developed every single place that you're going will be, you'll go straight from Palo Alto to Menlo Park, you know, to Mountain View the other way to, um, to Redwood City and everything's gonna be developed. Halachically, we don't call these separate cities. We call this all one city, as long as it's all developed contiguously, okay? So if someone wanted to travel from Palo Alto, he wanted to walk all the way to San Francisco on Chavez, we wouldn't say, oh, he traveled more than eight miles away from San Francisco, problem. We wouldn't say that. We would say, has he left a city? And the answer is no, because he walked on an El Camino. So then he'd be good to go. Now, the reason why the Torah, we'll see what exactly, the, what, what the reason that he comes up with, but this is on a Torah level, according to the Chanach. This actually happens to be a big dispute. There are many people who are of the opinion that nothing is forbidden, even on a Torah level, in terms of traveling outside of a city. There's a dispute in the Tanayim, right? So Rabbi Akiva has one opinion, the Chacham have a different opinion. There's a dispute in the Amarayim. And in the Jerusalem Talmud, it comes out that on a Torah level, there's a prohibition at the 12,000 uh, um, Amos, okay? That's what the Chinuch goes with that opinion. The Rambam also goes with that opinion. The Ramban and others argue and say that there's nothing forbidden on a Torah level. Now, that's all Torah level. On a rabbinic level, we actually are limited far more. 
We measure it from the outermost house in the city, even if it is large, if it is as large as Ninveh. This is according to the law of the Torah. But the sages made a fence and forbade that one should walk more than 2,000 amos outside of the city. So once you get to the city limits, you're not allowed to walk more than about 3,000 feet past the city limits, okay? Which is actually pretty stringent then. Now, once again, you're talking about literally leaving a city and walking into the wilderness, right? Because as long as it's considered to be a settled area, then you're okay. It's not about the boundary markers written on any sort of map, right? And so it's really about just leaving a settled area. Now, the, that being said, there are ways in which you can extend your domain on Chavez, right? The way in which you extend your domain is you can actually take a meal of food and place it in a place in which you're able to walk to that distance on Shabbos because it is less than 2,000 amas away from the city. And then you've now expanded the definition of where your domain was when Shabbos came out. Typically what we say is like this, if you're living in a city, your domain is considered to be anywhere within the city, you have 2,000 amas past where your domain ends. But if you actually put down this piece of bread that symbolizes a meal, it kind of symbolizes that my domain will now be where that bread is found. So you've now actually expanded the definition of how far you're able to go to the end of where that 2,000 amas from where that bread is found. You're only actually permitted to use that though, this leniency of uh, giving yourself a different space if you're going for a mitzvah purpose. So if you want to just go for a walk on Shabbos and you want to just put your food down 2,000 amas away so that you can walk, you know, the 4,000 and then walk back, that's not actually permitted. This rabbinic dispensation of expanding your boundary is only true when you're doing it for a mitzvah purpose. Okay? So far, so good? From the roots of this commandment are that we should remember and know that the world is created and not primordial, as it is written explicitly about the commandment of Shabbos. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Hence, to remember this thing, it is fitting that we rest in one place, meaning to say that we not go to a faraway place, but rather only stroll and have the light from our walks. So he's explaining like this. Why are we limited how far we're allowed to travel on Shabbos? Because the entire idea of Shabbos is to help remind us on a weekly basis that Hashem created the world and then rested. So we should rest. Now, when we say rest, right, if you tell, you tell someone who, who never heard anything about the Torah, on Shabbos, it's very important to do things that are considered to be resting because God rested. Oh, so we're not allowed to switch on a light, a light switch. Now, it doesn't seem like a very big job to switch on a light switch. It doesn't seem like, oh, I'm resting, but I'm not allowed to turn on a light switch because that's going to impede my resting. That doesn't seem to be so true. So typically when we think of resting, we define it as refraining from creative actions. Now, how do we define those creative actions that we refrain from on Shabbos? We defined it based on a link to the Mishkan, right? To the tabernacle that was built in the desert. But over here, what we're saying is aside from creative actions, there is another prohibition. And that prohibition is to travel a certain predetermined amount of space outside of the city that is also forbidden because that is a... It is a, a contradiction to the idea of resting on Shabbos. So are you saying that the Eruv, are you saying that the Eruv is not just there to allow people to carry things or push strollers? It's also there to define the perimeter 
that is acceptable for walking, right? Without having to explicitly create a, like explicitly execute a mitzvah. Is that what you're saying? It's funny. I did not say that, but you are right. Um, I actually, I mean, I don't well, think- I, just, I, I never understand where, okay. Like, let's see the mitzvah, let's go it's right that. there. He quotes the, the, the Parsha, great. From where do we derive this notion that we can't carry, like, I know you're gonna say it's the Mlachot that we, we made to, 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 to build the temple, but like, what's the connection between the, the Mlachot, right? And what the Eruv does to make certain ones okay and others not okay, right? Why is it okay for me to carry, which is one of the Mlachot within the Eruv, but then other things are not okay for me to do, right? Yeah, it's a great question. Slavic has been bothered by this question for many years also. Um, so I think it's important to recognize what exactly the Erev is able to help us carry and where exactly the Erev is not able to help us carry. So on a Torah level, we are... Okay, so to answer the question, it's like this. So when we have the prohibition of carrying on Shabbos, the Torah tells us that, like you said, you cannot do the malachos on Shabbos. Now, when it comes to carrying from, there's two different things that are prohibited. It is prohibited to carry more than four amos in the public domain, and it is prohibited to carry from a private domain to public domain and vice versa. Now, how do you define public domain, private domain on a Torah level is very limited. So public domain on a Torah level is an area that is 16 amos wide, it's 32 feet wide, public thoroughfare, in which 600,000 people walk, maybe even on a daily basis, have to be 600,000 people walking. So it's very, very hard to find that type of street. Right. That's not going to happen often. Mm. So when the rabbis came along and said that this idea of saying this is called a public domain, that's called a private domain, there's intermediate domains, it was too confusing for people. They didn't want people to have this situation where they were going to think that this is a public domain and therefore they're going to think they could carry from a public to private because they see people carrying from a domain which seems to be public, but according to the Torah's criteria, it doesn't meet a public and it's permitted to carry over there, but people will, will not realize and they'll start carrying everywhere. Hmm. Now, specifically when it comes to carrying an object, because it is, does not seem to be a creative act, right? Other things that we say are forbidden to do because they are creative acts, they seem like more of a creative act. There is something changing in the world, right? You're taking mm -hmm. fire and you're cooking an item. There's a chemical process occurring. The item has now changed. When you talk about taking an item and moving it from one area to another, you didn't change the item. You just changed where it's located, right? That's not an actual change in the item. So it's a little bit of a weaker malacha on some level. It's a little bit harder for people to really appreciate that this is forbidden. So people would come to think you could carry anywhere. Therefore, the rabbi said, we're going to enact restrictions and not allow carrying even in their intermediate domains that are too similar to public domains. However, they also prepared the cure for the disease, as we say. And they said that as long as you put up an Eruv, right, which is a public reminder that this is not a regular public domain, then you're permitted to carry. So in other words, they were the ones who stated that there's a rabbinic prohibition because they see that people were treating lightly the prohibition of carrying. And they said it's even prohibited to carry in an area that is aligned or similar analogous to a public domain. But they also put in the dispensation that as long as you built this reminder, you'd be permitted to carry, okay? So that's all in terms of the Eruv and permitting to carry in an area that is prohibited on 
only a rabbinic level. Now, in terms of the trum issue, so remember, trum, we're not talking about carrying. Once you leave the air behind, you're not allowed to carry on Shabbos. So we're not talking about carrying over here. We're talking about even moving your own self more than 2,000 amas away from the place where you were located when Shabbos began is problematic, right? Now, what the Erev actually does is if you have an Erev around a region, then that is considered, anything that is surrounded by that Erev is considered to be part of one domain. And therefore your, 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 um, your clock of 2,000 amas only starts ticking once you leave that Erev behind. Okay? Now, the laws of the commandment, for example, what is the law about one who spends Shabbat in the wilderness, in a cave, and so too one who goes outside of the boundary, volitionally or inadvertently, or by permission of the court? What is the law if he surrounded himself with a partition on Shabbat? What are the laws regarding the city of a house that goes out more than the other houses of the city? 70 L's and a bit. So what, what the Chinuch is speaking out over here is, how do you define a city, right? How do you define, at what point do you say there's a house on the outskirts of town, but it's not considered to be part of the city? And at what point do you say it's still considered to be part of the city, thereby expanding where my 2000 Amis actually begins from, right? So the Gemara deals with all of these different questions. Um, you know, all, we couldn't go through the, all these different cases, but there's a lot of different cases. And we'll skip to four now. And it is practiced in every place and at all times by males and females. And one who transgresses and goes even one more ama than three parsa outside of the city is lashed on a Torah level. And so too, if he goes even one more ama outside of the 2,000 amas adjacent to the city, he is struck with rabbinic lashes for rebellion. Um, so I want to I speak something out, a couple of points over here. So we're dealing with the rabbinic prohibition and the Torah prohibition. I mentioned earlier that there's going to be a dispute, and he's about to quote it the dispute as to whether or not there is ever a prohibition on a Torah level to walk a certain distance. According to the Rambam, according to the Chinuch, yes. According to the Rambam, no. What's the difference, practically speaking, if it's forbidden on a rabbinic level or a Torah level? They're both forbidden. What's the difference? So one difference is when it comes to rabbinic prohibitions, we are dachin mifnei kavad habrias, which means we push off a rabbinic prohibition for the sake of the not embarrassing a person. Okay. Many different cases of this in the Gemara. We actually did this together in, in Masech the Shabbos, right? Uh, where we went through some cases where otherwise it would lead to people becoming embarrassed. So therefore you are allowed to push off a rabbinic commandment to avoid embarrassing people. So when it comes to a Tuchum issue, if it's only forbidden on a rabbinic level, it would be pushed off in a case of exceeding levels of embarrassment. Another thing is, difference between rabbinic and Torah level. We know that when there is a doubt regarding something that is forbidden on a Torah level, we have to be stringent. When there is a doubt regarding something on a rabbinic level, you're allowed to be lenient. The Gemara has an interesting question. The Gemara says, is there something called tichum l'may l'may asara? Is there something called that you have established a defined location for Shabbos? If you are currently residing more than 10 tfachim, which is about 44 inches above the ground. Now, how does one reside more than 10 tefachim above the ground? So, the, right, if you're in a house that's above the ground, that's not called your, you're not more than, you're not higher than 10 tefachim off the ground. You're in a house. The house is considered to be attached to the ground, right? But if you're standing on a pole, that's a very thin pole. That's the case the Gemara talks about. Now, how is it relevant to us today? It's relevant if you're on an airplane or if you're on a cruise ship, 
Let's say you're on a cruise ship and you're traveling very far distances on Shabbos, right? Now, parenthetically, if you're ever planning going on a cruise, the Gemara tells us the halacha is that um, we do not leave onto a ship less than three days before Shabbos. You're allowed to be on a ship on Shabbos, right? That's not an issue. But you're not supposed to start the journey later than Wednesday. Now, the question is why? The Gemara doesn't tell us why. Some of the Rishonim explain the reason is because if you go on a ship less than three days before Shabbos, you're not going to be accustomed to the, to the backs and forth and the rocking of the ship, and you'll end up being seasick. And when you're seasick, it's going to ruin your enjoyment of Shabbos, and that's why it's prohibited. So some people even want to make the argument that you're talking about these monster cruise ships that are like 3,000 people on it. You can't even tell that it's moving at all. Maybe today it's even permitted to go like one of, on one of those ships less than three days before Shabbos begins. Some people will want to make that argument that this is not included in the entire rabbinic uh, prohibition. Now, if you're on a cruise ship, it means when Shabbos began, you were more than 10 tefachim off of the water level. If you're on an airplane, when Shabbos began, you're more than 10 tefachim off of the ground, right? Then you come and get to the port on Shabbos, or you come and you land, the airplane lands on Shabbos. If you get off of the ship, if you get off of that airplane, are you allowed to travel from wherever you have disembarked or deplaned? Is your limit starting there? Or does your limit start wherever you were when Shabbos began? Because if your limit starts wherever you were when Shabbos began, you're up the creek, you can't leave. But if your limit starts, there's no such thing as establishing a place when you're higher than 10 Tzvachim, then you're okay. Because if you're higher than 10 Tzvachim off the ground, you didn't establish any place. And now you can get off and do whatever you want. So we are lenient, generally speaking. And then we would start at that point. When you talk about the measurements of the city, if you look at a city, typically a city is not a perfect square, right? So even if I like on the map, it's a perfect square, you know, on the original township map before they actually started building there, it's a perfect square. But in reality, it's not a perfect square, right? So how do we measure the distance of the city? Let's say you have like houses jutting out here, house in, house out, house in, house out. You're trying to make a measurement of the city in a, in let's say diagonal, right? So where do you start measuring the, the distance? Halach is like this. You actually build a square. And the square is going to be based on wherever the furthest house jutted out, you build your square. Now, even then, after you build that square, the Gemara has a question. The question is like this. When you talk about traveling 2,000 amas in each direction, what about on the diagonal? On the diagonal, right, if you travel 2,000 amas over here and 2,000 amas that way, how many amas would that leave you traveling on the diagonal? Well, it depends. If you're going to round off the edge, 2,000 amas, and you'll round off the edge. But if you want to square off the edges, you'll end up with, 2,800 amos in the diagonal, right? If you think about a right, a right triangle, 2,000, 2,000, 2,800. Are my hands doing the trick or not necessarily? I don't, I don't remember the math, but I believe you. Okay. It's, my, it's the hypotenuse. It's longer. I get it. Exactly, You're saying exactly. it's longer than the radius of the circle. Okay. I, I, I'm following. So, so the Gemara actually tells us we actually do that. We actually, we square off the city, first of all. We square it off to make sure that everything is squared because otherwise it's just too complicated. Even after we square off the city, the halacha is we then add an additional 2,000 like this. When you're trying to figure out where the 2,000 amas goes, you travel 2,000 amas in all directions and 2,800 amas in the diagonal. And the Gemara actually asks, when you're squaring it, 
Maybe you can square whichever direction you want. What does that mean? Let me let me just quickly um, I'll quickly share a quickly share screen over here and show you what what I'm talking about in the share screen. Um, <laughs> so if if you look like this, right? Right here's here's your square, right? Now I want to. Here's my square. I have a house over here, house over here, house over here, house over here, house over here. I'm allowed to square it off wherever the line is that the houses are are on. Now, when we talk about traveling in 2,000 amas, I go 2,000 amas this way, 2,000 amas this way, 2,000 amas this way, 2,000 amas this way, 2,800 here, 2,800 here, 2,800 here, 2,800 here. Now, let's say I want to I want to do something else. I want to say that when I square off my city, instead of squaring like this, right? Instead of, um, let's see, instead of making a square like this, I can make a square like this, right? That would be one way to make a square. Or um, in picture, if this is rotated 90 degrees, right? If this was rotated and the, the diagonal is actually this way, and diagonal is this way, and this way, and this way, right? It, so picture this, right? If you were measuring this, this is 2,000, this is 2,800. I'm assuming that this is square. It's probably not a square, but that, that, would be, that would be what happens. Now, let's say I flip this. Do I have the ability to actually turn this square? So instead of facing northwest, instead of facing that this side is north, west, northeast, um, south, and west, it's rather that the diagonal is facing north, the diagonal is facing east, and so on and so forth, right? That would be very helpful if what I want to do is I want to travel this direction, or if I want to travel this direction, I've just added another 800 amas that I'm allowed to travel. Am I allowed to play around with that and just angle my box any direction I want to give myself that additional 800 amas or not, right? Make sense? You guys have that question? No, okay. So Slavic, you got it? Okay. So the Gemara says like this, the Gemara says that you can't do, right? Although we are telling you, you're allowed to make the square that will then allow you to carry in any direction, even though that will end up adding an extra 800 amas in the diagonals, that is only true if the square is aligned with the directions of the world. You cannot make the square aligned with whatever direction you choose to go. That's not going to work. Okay, so that, that's the main, the main things of, um, of Truman, right? It's still very relevant today, um, you know, not often that we're actually trying to travel these kind of distances. Where it comes up is, let's say you went to like a, a vacation home somewhere in the middle of Wyoming, right? And you want to go for a walk on Chavez. You're already in a place that is completely unsettled. So as soon as you walk out the door, you, the clock already starts ticking for your 2,000 amas. Now, for most Jews who live in more urban areas or even suburban areas, you're almost always going to be within the, the town limits when you're going for your walk on Chavez. But if you start talking about traveling past that, then you're in trouble. The other thing that comes up for is uh, if you have to go like to the hospital on Shabbos, right? So now you want to come back from that hospital. You, let's say you're allowed to drive to the hospital because someone was very sick on Shabbos. You're allowed to drive to the hospital. Now, you're not allowed to drive back from the hospital. But what happens is like this. Now, everything's okay. It turns out it was a false alarm. And you want to walk back from the hospital. It's a couple of miles. Well, are you traveling out of the Trum or not? Then it comes up. It's very relevant once again. Where exactly you define the term, and then depending on that, that will help you determine are you allowed to travel back. Other than that, like typically, it doesn't really come up this question, but it's something to keep in mind that it is relevant to us even today. 